0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Football yeah. first ever podcast. Um, i got some special guests here. Uh, we're going to just talk Dutch football basically ranging from the Odeversie to the Dutch national team and um, plenty of chat about Dutch players abroad as well. So, um, I'm Michael. I'm Michael Statham. Um, you may know me as uh, the guy that does predictions every single week on the website. We've also got another Michael here.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Bell. I'm Editor and founder of the com. And for the purpose of this podcast
2: going forward, probably call me Mike because obviously two Michaels might get a bit confusing. Oh, uh, I'm Chaka. I usually do the team and the player profiles on the site, as well
3: as other sites. My name is James. I'm a translator, interviewer, and writer for FootballRants.
0: based in Amsterdam, Netherlands. Sick. All right, guys. Um, I guess you all saw final PS- PSV at the weekend. What did you make of the game? James, what do you think?
3: Well, I I must admit, I mean, I'm not anti final in any way, shape or form, even though I do live in Amsterdam, which is a little bit strange, but uh, (laughs) that's the way it goes. I didn't expect final to win. So first and foremost, congratulations to them. I think over over the 90 minutes, they definitely deserve to win. And it's definitely Mm. a statement putting PSV away at home. But they they definitely can go on to win the league. But I I did feel for Jürgen Sut as well with his uh, mistake, which, which led to the winning goal. Especially in the Dutch press over here, he's, he's completely, completely and utterly uh, um, through the floor with, uh, with disappointment as yeah. to his mistakes. So, but um, take nothing away from the final and I believe they deserve to win.
2: Yeah, I think I would like to add on to what James said. Is I think Joane Zut, he's, he's, an, he's a really good keeper and reliable keeper. And the two things that he's probably going to be known for outside the Dutch league the goal that you conceded against Ardo at the beginning of last season, and this goal, mm. with a really reliable keeper, and for the game, I think it was surprising how fa- how good Nord was with the ball, and how just poor PSV was. Even in the first fifteen minutes, Nord in possession completely outplayed PSV and dominated them, and it's it's it just shows how I think how everything has sort of just crumbled for Koku And I like to say it's because Bruma left and he was really good at bringing the ball to the back. And I think Moreno and his memory his aren't, aren't really that good as Bruma was in the past.
0: Hmm. Well, um, there was a, a question for a uh, sent in about Zutz um, because sent in by Hans Lester-Kellenberg. Um, says, do you think it's fair to use the goal line technology in one game and nine other games in the same competition because i mean I, I, I saw that ajax finals is not going to have goal line technology i mean is that fair
1: you could call it fair because if you're thinking ajax final is probably going to be the title decided you'd think you'd have the best technology mm. especially for a nation like Netherlands it's so forward thinking with the video referee and you think they would have basically technology on point in all the bigger stadiums, but I think the KNBB director came out this week and said it costs five million to integrate into each stadium. Um, That's a drop in the water. If it's just a one-off payment, then for the rest of the games, you know it's going to happen. You can't just have one decision on it, then nothing else in the rest of the the year, because Ajax could have a goal disallowed, then they're also going to cry foul that fans will say, KNBB are favouring Feyenoord.
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit unfair to to just use it in the one game because, as well, you've got to you've got to get the technology eventually, haven't you? You've got to get it at some point, and it's it's key to the game in the future. Well,
3: I would I would make one point which isn't made very often. If you look at some of the teams that play in the EFL, you've got much, most teams, especially in the lower lower regions of the league, they play in AstroTurf. So mm-hmm. one of the arguments in the media, especially at the start of the season, was how can the how can the league grow? How can it how can the league be taken more seriously if if some of the teams are playing on astroturf instead of grass? So I think in terms of video of video, te- uh, video technology as well, I think that's another facet to how the um, to how the how the league will eventually be viewed be viewed going forward. One point I do want to make, maybe we'll come on to it a little bit later in terms of Europe, because I saw a question from one uh, Twitter follower who said about how can it be that there are three Belgian sides in the last 16 of the Europa League and only one Dutch representative. Uh, As far as I'm aware, last week there was starting to be rumbles of the kind of a they want to be, they, they want to look at splitting the division, not next week or the week after, but looking at taking um, taking an example of what Belgium did where they split the, div- the division to give um, to give the um, teams more competitive matches and mm. Belgium are now saying, oh, that's the reason why we're in the last 16 of the Europa League. So mm. I'm not entirely sure if the Carver Bay will use, um, will use that as a, as a as an example going forward. But I, I, I think as well, the structure of the Carver Bay at the moment in terms of the league and with... Uh, of the national team, it's, it's not as solid as what it used to be. It used to be so solid, it used to be so tight, it used to be so well run, and now it just appears that there are a, 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 a different positions at board level. People appear to be taking their chances and only want to stay in the position f- for their own personal gain instead of uh, looking at the bigger picture.
4: Hmm.
2: I
3: think, yeah, on the I think Goldline Technology, I think the
2: director of operations for that kind I think he came out with the blog on the side today and he was basically saying that he wanted to implement it at all levels in Dutch in the air division hmm. he said he wanted to make it so that the fans would also like um use the um view the technology with the refs because he wanted to do it in a separate studio and focus some and have the fans see the um the the situations on the screen, in the stadiums, or, you
1: know, the blue uh, audio, somehow. Um, I just like, a bit like tennis with hockey. you know, it's got to come up on the screen.
0: Back to, like, the final A X game, uh, sorry, final PSV. Uh, PSV were a bit short, I thought, in the match. They, I'm not, I I, mean, we've seen that the season, haven't we, how, like, at home, PSV just have sort of slipped up time and time again, but... They've, they've they've got the players and I think that you know the, the squad is the same as last season pretty much. There's one or two changes, but ultimately like don't don't think that Bruma was the main sort of departure from that team. But without him, they've surely been even better in defence.
2: Uh, with Bruma, they've also lost the top assistant Locadia, who who was sort of this physical force on the on the left wing, and he was also he could also hold the ball up like on and his cross he didn't there wasn't this uh sort of uh there wasn't only villains whose job was to cross from the left flank so uh i think with ramsala it sort of worked in a different way but the thing is they don't get the ball to him enough in the pockets and the spaces where ramsala's meant to be and i think with this whole system of just hoofing up hoofing it up to luke Dion or playing it out wide and hoping Willems can recreate something that he was two seasons ago. Uh, it, it sort of hasn't worked. And I think that's where the evidence says that Kaku needs to sort of look to adapt.
0: Mm. Do you think it's Philip Kaku's fault that maybe there haven't been a competitive this season? Because we had someone tweet in, Henry, who asked, like, what what more did PSV need to win the league? Because they're, they're some way behind as well.
2: It's, it's it's most it's mostly the players, but there was, there's some things that you see in the system, like uh, Guardado in the build-up phase, he drops in as a third uh, centre-back. Yeah, he's up in defence, isn't he? And that's not where you want Guardado. You want him in front of the defence, playing the ball forward. And you're kind of making the whole team drop because you're making proper drop and you want proper... Further forward, and and you need Guardado is kind of the technical leader, and you need him further forward, and it's you can. I think I can, I can afford what you watching to be a lot of times. Hmm. I think
3: collectively they've just rested on their laurels. I think they were carried along, hmm. carried along on the wave of a uh, a last day title win last season, which was unexpected for everybody. And even though they didn't progress very far in Europe and even though they didn't um, play play very well in, a, in an extremely difficult Champions League group, I think the intensity of the games against Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid, I think it took a lot out of them. Mm. And I think they had difficulty, especially in the following early division games after Champions League commitments, they had difficulty in getting over the line and turning the draw into a win, for example. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that
1: can be blamed um, Arsenal Brands, I think, came out this week and said the players lack motivation. Um, two title wins in a row probably have sort of taken that away from them. Um, I don't think last year that they deserved the title. I think I actually probably won it in the end, and I think that took some of the you know, motivation from some of the players this season. I think they think they're a bit better than what they actually are. Um, but then you could also say Brands is at fault because you know you lost Narsing and Josephson in January and they signed no replacement. Um, is not going to come back from injury and just click straight into place, and they've only got Bergvine who's not been the impact that they wanted them to be this season. So they are short up front, I think. I think they've relied too much on De Jong. is um, playing out of position and wide. Um, Zinchenko's not getting a game, and he was one of the big signings. So I think just a lack of options from Koku, who is also afraid to use his youngsters as well. And um, mm-hmm. they've got quite a few young players coming through. And um, Dante Rigo, Sam Wammers is scoring goals for fun in the second division, but Coch is just not using them. Where are you? Get okay, Ajax and Pierre Boris is throwing 17 year olds in where Frighten's at. Yeah.
2: yeah, Michael, you wrote about it earlier this season that PSV needed to use the youngsters. Yeah, yeah. we'll probably see that probably next season because you would expect uh, Guardado who's been gaining interest from the MLS and you proper had interest from Zenith St. Petersburg in January. So uh, he proper, And he's had a solid season, not as good as last season, but solid season in a squad that hasn't performed at that level. And you would expect him to also leave in the summer. So I think that's when we would start to see Ramzala come back in the right position and Hendricks. And I think it's just, it's it's been... Zinchenko is the is probably the most uh, confusing because when he played he he played well he brought creativity and the fact that he hasn't been getting a game lately isn't uh, has been very weird especially when you have Ranselaar wide when you would prefer to have him central and that's where he performed best at Utrecht last season.
0: How about Ajax? We had a tweet in to ask about. Um... That Peter Bosch, because like Frant de Boer, he says um, he doesn't like turnover and never changes his lineup. Can it be a problem late in the season? I don't know one of you guys said about how it might catch upon him as well with Europa League. What do you what do you reckon?
3: I don't disagree with Shaka that it may well catch up with him. I think it, a lot depends on the two games coming up against Copenhagen. Even when Boss uh, when he was at uh, Vitessa in the past and in years um, M- M- I can't be as well. Um, he didn't really change much, and like with today, all day we uh, signed signed on like with Vitessa. I think he sticks to the players that he has an awful lot of belief in, and always wants to play them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. With throwing in seventeen-year-olds, I think it's also the fact that it's their Ajax way. Of course, they have a, a very fruitful academy, and um, yeah, I think. Um, a lot will depend on the two games against Copenhagen, but it's a massive advantage for them having the second leg at home, like the game against Legia Warsaw. Because everyone was a little bit unsure, will it be touch and go as to whether they would go through to the last 16, and um, and they did. And um, I, I think trainers, managers have uh, traits, and I think in the case in the case of Ross, he, uh, he sticks with players he knows quite well, and he wants them to pay. Pay back his belief in them, so uh, I don't see him. I don't see him changing anytime soon. That first leg against Copenhagen is going to be really
2: interesting because he's going to be without Beltman and uh, Sanchez, who are suspended. So he has to either rely on two left footed centre backs in Bergeva and uh, readable. and I think he's. I think the season he's he's been very. Good, they had that twenty-game winning streak, uh, under beating streak in the first half of the season, and it's the it there's that's always that, um, that famous season where I think they had the Lucas on as top scorer, for the title in the first half of the season, and then they just they just had an absolute drop in the second half of the season. So I think every Ajax fan should be sort of watching for that and especially at left-back where I think he doesn't believe Jairo Riedewald's uh, a left-back and mm. they sold, uh, um, I think they loaned out uh, Mitchell Dykes to, to Norwich and they're left with Sinkraven who's an attacking midfielder who he's who's converted to left-back this season. So that's going to be interesting.
0: Mm. I'm personally not a fan of Sinkraven at left-back. I just think it's too lightweight and in Europe it could it could show. I mean, like against a Spanish team where it's all on the floor. Perhaps he's the kind of player that could be at left back, but should they come up against one of the, the more physical sides, especially the Belgian side. I think he'd just get found out. Well, I think the telling fact with Sinkhan is that they paid
3: 16 million euros for him when Sinkhan was here at Ben, and to pay 16 million euros for a, a young, a young promising player, and then for him to eventually be turning to a left back, I think. Sinclavin, especially in his youth, and when he broke in at fame he only ever played central midfield. So I think certain elements of uh, being a left back is still quite foreign to him, even though he is still quite young. Mm. But he has
2: improved in some aspects. Because yeah. I think at the beginning he used to be he used to shy shy away from the one on ones out-wide, mm. whenever he could, but now he's he's much more confident going into them and sometimes even overzealous when he goes into them, and I think. The attacking aspect is the part that Boz really enjoys about him, because he sort of comes into the centre and allows Eunice to like pull out wide and stretch play, and he's he's a passing option. And I, it's 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 sort of I, I found it very prefaced to come in and tell an attacking left and a left a left wing and attacking midfielder you're gonna be a left back now. And even he said last, at, the, at the first half of the season he didn't see himself fully as a as a left back. But the fact that they have kept playing him there and they sold uh, they loaned out Mitchell Dykes shows that the, uh, Bosh truly believes that he's a left back. So that's going to be a thing to watch as Ajax progress.
0: Hmm. Uh, it's strange though for me because like when when Sinclair left, uh, Head and vein, I just thought he'd he'd go on at Ajax and become become, become a regal player because, like, he, he saw at Vane, he? he had the confidence on the ball that he seemed to have lost at Ajax, um, which is why he became a left-back, ultimately, because he fell out of the midfield. And I just thought he, he'd carry on improve that because, you know, Ajax, they have that sort of arrogance about them that the players could just feed off. But he never seemed to have got that. And he, he fell out, less confidence. And
3: I, f- I think for certain players, especially when you are playing for a Heel pain or an Asad or... Um to make the step up for, for some players is quite difficult mm. because obviously the policy with Ajax, with the youth and the way they play and I, I agree with you um, uh, Michael, I think you know I expected him to kick on at Ajax but obviously he's fallen out of favour and has now turned into a left back but uh, obviously when he was in vain it was, was dictating play and they had a different system to accommodate him in that role but obviously at Ajax then that wasn't the case.
2: I think yeah. it's also because Obama's had stuffed that midfield with, you know, they had Brazil, they had Gudelja, they had yeah. uh, that uh, Cerebro was still there, and uh, you, you also had this really talented batch of players in Youngaya, and I think as we as sort of was sort of cleared out everyone everyone and uh, especially Gudel and Brazil. And they started to play Frankie Piang and uh, uh, Donny More. You you started you started to see um, how confident a youngster can be if he's given the opportunities. But once sort of up and once uh, Frank De said maybe he's not strong enough, maybe he's not ready. I think he wasn't given the games after that point, which we really was a blow for him at such a young age.
0: Um. Do you, do you guys think that you know, some of the uh, players, such as Feltman and Claassen, will leave Ajax, and and should they as well? Because this is another question sent in.
3: I personally think that Claassen will leave. I'm not so sure about Feltman, personally, but it also depends on on the club that comes in, because in the case of uh, Richard Libasso, a bid for Napoli was a bid from Napoli was was accepted. He personally turned it down. So it's a um, it's a, it's an individual
4: choice from the player, yeah. of course. But I I have no doubt there will be more more interest for Claassen than what there will be for Feltman. Uh, yeah, I I can see Claassen going personally, but I'm not
2: so sure about Feltman. But Lassen, uh, came out today in the football international and said that he's having his best season, and I think because his statistics, I mean, a midfielder who has 15 goals in all competition at this point, I think. At the end of the season, there will be interest in him, and I think we've all seen that if Overmars is given is sort of offered the right price, he will always sell. And I think Boatman, I think he said he either signs a new contract or he goes. He's fine either way, and I think him, he's also grown because he can play centre back now and he can also play right back. So I think, uh, and if he doesn't sign a new contract will be cheaper than most other center backs is age in Europe so I think the club will probably come in and take it I think though it's depending on what club does actually come
1: in and um, for class because I can't see him playing at a top level club in Europe I can see him being in maybe the second tier like a Napoli, play Leverkusen and um, I don't think yet actually has the qualities right now to go to say a uh, Manchester United aren't going to come in from and Arsenal aren't going to come in from. So who is he expecting that he's going to leave Ajax for And um, I think he's actually rejected now in the past, but I think a couple of that would be perfect for him. Um, as for Joel Veltman, um, I think he should leave because I don't think he's going to be a centre-back again at Ajax. I think that'll probably be where he wants to be in the future. Um, I know West Ham are linked with him in January. I think that kind of cups perfect for him. I also wonder if his reputation has been a little bit tarnished. Um, Obviously he got worldwide media recently for tricking that Spire Rotterdam defender and I think World Royal Cubs allude to that and uh, it is a little black mark
0: against him. So you don't think that the trick was a clever trick? Do you think it was more, uh, what's the word, it's unsporting?
1: Yeah, I think I would say it was a little bit unsporting. I don't like to see that in, in football, really. I think it really tried to Sparta fan if they scored from that, it would have been
3: an outrageous thing. I was at that game live and the reaction from the Ajax supporters was one of surpl- surprise in a, in a positive way, but I think that was more hmm. kind of the you know, unexpected. But um, just a bit of live news, uh, Lewis Baker has put the test 1-0 up against Sparta in the cup semi-final tonight. Oh. And he's he's having a wonderful season, by the way. I think it's wonderful that an English player is um, sorry to go off track, but um, I
4: think
3: it's wonderful that an English player is doing ever so well in in a foreign league and is making such a positive name for himself.
0: Do you think it's Premier League quality? Um, Time will have
3: to tell on that one. Yeah, Chaka, I completely agree. He took the words out of my mouth. mouth. Time will tell, but he's. it's a fantastic incentive as well because there, there aren't many British players that play in other leagues. And however obscure they may be, he's came to Vitessa and along with Ambros and um, you know he's one of the stars of that team. He's gr- he's growing in stature in that team. And uh, should they uh, should they win tonight, they'll be in the cup final, only one game away from uh, qualifying for Europe. Mm.
0: I think he's like the same sort of ilk as uh, Frank Lampard for me. Not not. The same kind of quality not yet anyway but he's that he he does take set pieces really well but i just feel like he has that slight bit lacking to his game still or maybe it's just the players around him i think if he's see in like a a top a top championship team lower premier league team he might start to see some of the best from him yeah,
2: exactly i think yeah top, they should trust he should be look, looking to loan him into a top championship team or mid to lower team or premier league team because I think technically he's very good, very, very developed. And I think uh, he's sort of become the hub of that, of uh, the test side. And you, you wouldn't even notice that Kazashvili left. And you would only notice it because um, Ajax played Legge in the, the last round. And uh, I think, I think he's been more willing to do to do better at this than other Chelsea loanies and that's been very refreshing to see and I think that winning this, I think, it, I hope it, it repays some of the, the, um, the, I hope some people around Chelsea start to think higher of them because of it.
0: Okay, um, we've talked about Ajax and PSV, I guess we should talk about final as well. Um, What do you think about them, do you think they're title winners?
2: They, they you they carry on churning out wins and uh, so uh, Giovanni Van Broncos has sort of evolved he sort of he took um he took mistaking out of the team and as you saw in the earlier stages of the PSV game they're much better on the ball and he rested Belhana last last week and he played him this week and he really looked refreshed. And uh yeah. I, I At the beginning of the season, I, he was playing Nelom at left back and I was, I, I was, I, I'm not really convinced about Nelom at left back, mm. but now he's been Congolo there and Congolo done brilliantly. And I I really, and he also has placed like um, Basasi Koglu to come off the bench and he has one of the best, best minute to assist ratios in the league. So I think yeah they've got
0: they've got everything it takes to sort of continue and win the league. For me, I think it's come from the experience. I think Van Bronckhorst just got it. He's just got it so right with his midfield choices because that's what's given them those goals around Jorgensen and the supply. Um, because yeah, like he keeps rotating them, and I think that's what's keeping all their players on the toes. Taarumstelos to like he's never played better in his career, and he, you know, and, and how old is he now? Like 29, 30? um and it yeah and plays like for Hannah as well They're they're playing like top of their game and he not he nearly left the club
3: I think um, Karim el influence is kind of the oh, on day, kind of for sure on day, he, okay. and, I, and I think I think Botachin as a centre-back he's done ever so well and so I think those in, in my opinion Botachin and um and el they've, they've really been unsung some heroes and the fact that final are in the mix and could very well be champion this
2: season. Mm. And how good a signing is Jorgensen because you, you saw, I think the year before, last year, they played uh, with Kazim Richards up front and last season they played with Kramer up front. And Kazim Richards gave them the mobility. Kramer was he kind of capable both, the but he was sort of clumsy the way he did things but uh, Jorgensen, he's sort of clever on the ball if he doesn't score, he's going to create chances and get an assist and he's also very clinical in the bottom he's sort of been the best striker yeah I think you have to look back to last summer
1: and say Feyenoord did the best um, window business they got in Steven Berg who's on loan and they got Jorgensen and MT have been pivotal the season but I think Feyenoord they have the strongest squad in their division, I think. You look at their, their starting 11. It's pretty much been the same for most of the year, but he's got options from the bench. Um, Ajax's bench is really young. The BAC have had injuries, a little carry out, but, you know, not have got a second striker if Jorgensen went off to still have Kramer. Um, they've got centre-backs, um, they've got left-backs, they've got even more midfielders on the bench. I think Van Bronckhorst can rotate, which I don't think the other two can, and I think that's helped them this season.
0: I, we have a, quite a question here from uh, Jay Jeezy, who says, uh, do, 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 do you think that under-19 player Dylan Venter will see any first-team minutes? Um, not this season. Uh, he's only 17-18. He
2: scores a lot of goals for you know, finals under-19s. he got that sort of love from the final fans. And um, I think he, we also need to see more of them in sort of the young final and the orange under-20s. Uh, because he sort of played at under nineteen, under seventeen level, so I think um, he, unless uh, he would need to move at to that higher level and play sort of with much bigger, more physical opponents, I think they'll be calling a lot on experience, especially in the
0: title running. And I agree with the other, uh, other guys. I think um, I think we'll hear more of him next season. Yeah, I think it'll be a line he the myself. Um. Do, do, okay, so if you talk about future talents, can we think of any that stick in our minds at the moment from this season, from the OWZ? Any any players or managers?
3: Yeah, in terms of uh, managerial talent, I would say uh, Ernest Faber is one to watch. Um, Croningen had a very difficult start to the season, and uh, where they appear to be rooted to the bottom of the league. And he's uh, managed to turn that around. He did a fantastic job at Nijmegen last season, when they were playing some really good, attractive football. So, I definitely believe that he's, uh, he's a manager to watch in the future.
2: Uh, and I think Jan Stegman at Heracles, I think have, if he manages to get into the top 10, having lost Walt Vagos to Azad and having lost Belasani to the same team, I think he he would certainly be someone to watch going forward. He, he, I think Heracles will be very unlucky not to get into the Europa League after winning the European League and I think the first half of the match this weekend I actually really troubled them but uh, they fell away in the second half and I think he also did a, a, a good interview with Volkstrand during the summer where he talked about sort uh, of believing it, believing conditioning and you know wanting to sort of expand himself as a manager they more dominant talent of the players' characters. And I think that's going to be something interesting to watch. I think in terms of players and um, young know, players that are coming
1: through, I really like um, at Nijmegen, they've got Ferdi hmm. Um He's 17 years old, so I he made his debut out of the season. Um, he scored a crack of a goal against Utrecht. And you know, I think he has a big future. Um, other than that, you've got you know, the ones coming through it. Ajax Justin Cliverts had, you know, an excellent season. I didn't see him making his first team debut this year. Um, I think all the talk was about Van der Beek and, and Nuri, and Cliverts come from nowhere. And he's he's been excellent. Um, Delict as well, only seventeen. Um, I think I tweeted out a stat last week that he played for the under nineteens in Euro- uh, the youth league, then he played for Young, Ajax and uh, and then he came on in the first team and scored it's just unbelievable talent and for 17. Uh, i think uh, we don't talk about sort of giovanni trope the oh, right back
2: I love him. Yeah, he's a, yeah 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 uh, he's very good and, and attacking wise he, he he can he's strong in the challenge and also justin hukma at uh Heracles, he's he's still a teenager and he's played most of their games this season and he uh, he's certainly went to watch and, you know, Rick Van Dronglen, he uh, he played left back at the first half of the season and he plays centre back and I think he's just got this sort of thing about him, especially when he has the ball at his feet and he, he looks to pass forward and break lines and I think not many Dutch defenders coming through have that only just a few like Dullet and Hoogma and him, and he's also quite big for his age, uh, which is really nice to see. He's physically quite well developed for his age, and there have been rumors that you know Chelsea and Piet de Visa were looking at him, and I think one of the one of the teams in the higher echelons of the Eredivisie should surely have a look at him in the summer.
1: Um, at AZ as well, you've got uh, Regisiano Haps as well. I've been calling for him to get uh an Eredivisie cup all season. He had a shocker against Lyon, oh. but I don't think any AZ players can say they came out of that game. Oh, they were awesome. well, But I think he's one to watch for the future as well. I think he'll go to a PSV or Feyenoord in the summer. Yeah.
3: Um, following on from what uh, Mike said about Haps, he's had a, he's had a very, especially he's been consistent. I mean, he had a very difficult time at Le- against Lyon. Mike stated, but uh, Habs has been consistent for the majority of the season and uh, we're definitely uh, growing notoriety, notoriety, I think. Yeah, um, it's actually quite funny because you talk a
2: year ago, Danny Blint said, came out and said, Yetro Williams is our number one left back, but Congolo and Habs have, have been much better than him this season mm-hmm. and deserve to be higher in the pecking order than him. And I think Habs, I think he's very good on both ends of the ball and uh, I think there were talks that Ajax probably uh, were having a look at him for the summer him and Sam Larson from Henry and I think if um, I think Frankie Dion I think he's I I believe he's got the most potential at Ajax I think I think think he's he's a midfield of genius because he can play sort of the deep line playmaker role and you can sort of fail back, you can play as number 10 because his vision is, is really good. should have had a, an assist on his, head, his debut, if, I mean Nunez's finishing was better and uh, it's assist for, for Cat Serious, uh last week was, was amazing where he just chips it over, over, over the over the defence and, and onto Sehais head, head in. And I think I, he's someone I truly enjoy watching. Um, I could, I will enjoy watching his 20-minute cameos in the Eredivisie for the rest of the season,
0: probably. OK. Uh, we've had a question from Sandakan. Um, are there any great talents coming up from the Eredivisie? I have to admit, I haven't been watching much of it myself. What about you guys?
1: Few. There's uh, VVV, Venlo, and um, winger called Vito van Croy, he's only 21, i um, surprised he didn't move up to the Air uh, Divisie in either this summer or January. He's been scoring goals, goals for them, they top of the table. Um, he's not a young talent, but you know, the off striker, Tom Boer, He scored 24 goals, uh, 26 goals this season actually, he's top goal scorer, um, a bit reminiscent of Vincent Janssen, how he came through. Um, he's one to watch. Maybe next season in the uh, Eredivisie. And um, they obviously you've got a uh, young Ajax players coming through. You got Frankie de Jong, Kai Sierras, you got Abdullah Nuri. And um, it's to watch the young Ajax, young PSV sides.
2: um uh, it's uh, Sam Lamas, he, he it's 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 actually ironic that he sort of stopped scoring when he sort of got his debut with PSV and started training with the first team. And now that he um, uh, he's, he's, he starts scoring again, he had ten goals in between September and November, which uh, and he was prolific in that spell. And I think he's so he's sort of he's very he's got the luxury of being coached by Ruth van when he's with the youth team and Luke Nillis when he's with the senior team. So you just hope that he could develop and. PSV don't have any out and out strikers apart from Luke De Jong and they can either play Bergwine or, or Locadia there. So I think next next season we'll probably see him get get more of an opportunity.
1: I think one to watch as well. Um came a surprise to me in January that Sparta Rotterdam um, they let Finn Stokers join Fortuna. Um and in six games so far, he scored six goals, one in each of them. Hmm. So I think with Sparta's troubles at the moment, it's kind of like why did do it this young you know, goal-scorer goal and he didn't even play on the first half of the season. Goes out and scores in his next like, six games. I think he's one towards, he's only 20 years old.
0: Uh, a point I'd like to make about the Utila League is, um, you know how like the the, the, the two teams from the area of that end up in the playoffs for relegation? Uh, there was a stat like that. All all of them over the past like five seasons or so, they all, all three teams got relegated. I think apart from last season when Roda stayed up. Um, do Do you think that if this season, two teams in the playoffs, near and do you think they stand a chance against the Europa League teams, which are which tend to be hungrier, more confident teams?
3: I think I think from an outsider looking in, especially with the setup, um. I think whoever finishes in the uh, um, relegation playoff places in the Eredivisie is going to find it tough. You only have to go back to uh, I think it was season before last, where De Graafschap had to play Almere City, and they were extremely, extremely, extremely lucky. There was a goal disallowed by Almere City, and in theory, De Graafschap shouldn't have gone through to the next round, but they did. But um, I think it's getting tougher every year. I think um, they put attention especially with young Utrecht and young Ajax and young PSV playing in against teams like Fortuna Sittard and Fenlow and Emmen and Seos to give the the league a more competitive nature mm. and um, it, it's in terms of quality I mean I interviewed uh, Jack van der Gheer the manager of Elmira City back in October and he was telling me about the physicality of the of the league and even in their training methods they they, they look at the physicality and the physical condition of the players with fitness because the, the games that you play on a regular basis um, in, a, in a very competitive league can take an awful lot out of you. So um, I think whoever finishes in the relegation places in the year is going to find it difficult. I think it's we'll just have to see what the matches will be and and then you can make your prediction I think just beforehand. I think uh, but I, I, it could be anybody's guess. Um, Oh, but I'm, I'm confident there'll be
0: uh, one or two newcomers in the A-Division next season. Uh, we had a question from Andy Alsop who asked, uh, is Alphonse Kuhlendijk, is he a genius move by Ardo or a desperate last throw of the dice?
3: Personally, I wouldn't call it a desperate throw of the dice. I think they've looked at it with Kuhlendijk having experience with Excelsior in the past and um, you know he's returned to the club where he played. For, I think for five seasons, four seasons, of the matter. They have, they definitely have a chance of staying up. It's all is not lost for Ardo but they've uh, they've got to kick into gear soon because the the Malays they found themselves in under Petrovic, uh, Duplan, who I think is a wonderful player. Is uh, is not scoring. It's not being as effective as what he used to be, especially for FC Utrecht. And um, yeah, they've got to kick into gear soon, I think. But um. I think it's a sensible appointment from Ardo, considering who else they, they could have got. So, uh, I think they give, they've given themselves half a chance it that way.
0: I think they just need uh-huh. to uh, like, they need to fight the players that have already because and Skarkin and Mike Havanagh, they're they're, they're two excellent players that, in the forward line that's just not scoring goals. And you've, in defence as well, I think um, there's one or two there, maybe the goalkeeper, full-backs, maybe a little bit more suspect, but when you've got Burkle's like at centre back, who who is a leader, you, you think that they, they get some more points, more points than they have already. They had a great start to the season, and it's just gone, it's gone awfully since then, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I, I, I think it's just snowballed
2: really. Yeah, uh, they also need to start uh, the ownership structure with the Chinese ownership. They need to sort of clear that up, and they've also got some really good players that have come through the academy, like Danny Bakker, the midfielder. Dennis van der Heyden. those are two really good players, and um, I think in regards to the ownership, you've got people saying they're spending money when, you know, the club, when it's not being shown with the club, and I think they lost Hank Fraser, who's a solid coach, Mm. and uh, they didn't replace him adequately, and I think... The, it, it, all, it all has to start with the ownership. I think in the case, the buckles has to stop with the ownership. I think it was in Castanier to injury as well. He was the
1: top goal scorer, and he's got an eye injury. He's had to have surgery on his eye. I think it was in him. Um, it's been a big blow for them. But you say Dennis van der Heyden. Um, I mean, he's Juric he is a big impact sub, but they've worn him out, and um, they've worn him up to I think NAC in the. Uh, Division, which is a strange
0: one as well who would your bottom three teams be
3: uh, my bottom three would be uh, go ahead excelsior and
0: a see i, I i'm in not sure point. about go ahead because I, I i think they're improving and they've got some great technical players as well i think they just need to tighten a bit more at the back
3: yeah i, I think it's i think it's well with, with it with Persis, it's my opinion. I think with their manager as well. The manager, uh, Hans Koning, in the past he was manager of Olandam and uh, it's it's is a reason it's a reasonable manager. It's nothing wrong with him in that respect. But I think they found it difficult throughout the season, and they had that very uplifting home win against finals which uh, helped them stay in touch and to help them not be completely cut adrift. But uh, I think considering who they've still got left to play, they've still got to play here Fane, they've still got to play Ajax, they've still got to play uh, a few other teams that are fighting for maybe playoff positions or to, to stay up um, without any need of any playoff. So uh, I think we we've go-ahead, I, f- I think they'll be the ones uh, to go uh, automatically. I think Excelsior are definitely going to be in the bottom three
1: and then it's a toss-up between the rest. I think Roda JC, uh, Sparta might be in there and go-ahead goes. I think it's between them I think even NAC, if they don't pick up, they could be dragged into as so well. They're only a few points away from being in the bottom three. And therefore, it's, it's not good enough to to warrant them safety
3: right now. No, they've, uh, I agree. Uh, they've lost um, five of their last six games. And uh, so it's quite worrying for, the, for Nijmegen at the moment.
0: But do you, do, uh, don't you like um, Peter Havala? Do you not think he's a good coach?
1: I think he speaks a good game and he's coming out with a lot of criticism
0: of the way that we're doing stuff in Dutch football, but mm.
1: I mean, he's got to do that and his players need to prove his way on the pitch and they're, they're not doing it right now.
2: There was also such, I think he's had to deal with such a large turnover of players. They lost uh, two fullbacks uh, in the summer. They lost their top scorer, Christian Santos. And uh, this, and in in the winter, they sort of they, they brought in Jordan Larson and um, a few others, and I think he's Habilas uh, has been so he's been uh, always quick to talk on the and on Dutch TV and um, generally in the media. But I think you haven't seen much of it, in, in the way his team plays football and the way they're progressing, I think they'll stay up, but I think uh, just by the skin of their teeth. Mm, and oh, I agree my that, main pick, Yeah. Yeah, and by my main picks uh, to go down are
0: uh, Excelsior, uh, Go Ahead, and Rhoda. I think with the progression of uh, NSA, I think you should look at the start of the season when they were struggling a little bit. That was understandable with all the new players, and then it seemed to pick up, and they sort of went at the table quite nicely, but since the winter break, all those defeats and it's just brought them back down again and I, maybe then I start to question Hibala because he's doing all the talk as you guys said but he's just not he's not delivering since that good run they had and it's sort of going back the other way
2: he's made the most out of you know this German coach coming from Germany where the school the, the young managers will and just sort of come and show us uh, show the Dutch people how to play football and how to sort of do
0: things differently. He he did also make a point about how um, Dutch football has changed over the last few years. He said like it got a bit more uh, reserved maybe, a bit more defensive because it used to be a very, very attacking league and I, I still think it is but he didn't seem to think so. Um, and does that, does that speak volumes for the Dutch football in itself? Because is it declining still? Because there was obviously a recent decline since maybe the 2000s and 90s. But uh, is it noticeable?
3: I, f- I think one point which is especially relevant, especially in, in recent years, is that young players, whenever they gain any notoriety, whether it be for Ajax or PSV, or even for RZ, especially in the case of Vincent Janssen, as soon as someone comes in, they're gone. And um, you would think that they would stay maybe another season or try to um, or try to to become an even better player. But I think I think. Some of the younger players who are quite clearly talents. I think when a, when the first prop, when the first um, attractive club comes in for them, they just they just go. And I think when you have that happening on a regular basis, almost every summer, it's difficult to build. Um, it's difficult to build a competitive league overall. Really, I mean, it still it still has its charm. I mean, I was um, when I went to Ajax. Um, I mean, I thought that. Uh, I was very surprised with Sparta leaving apparently all their play, good players on the bench. They leave uh, Thomas fahar on the bench, Bakova, Morso on the bench. When a team like Sparta goes to Amsterdam, if they don't feel that uh, that they, they can even get a draw, for example, then that's also damaging to a to a league. What well, which, as you say, especially from around 2000 onwards, was uh, was extremely attractive. But I also think I think
2: what the young players is none of them are really willing to fight for their places. Like, at Ajax, you've seen, like, Bazo came out when he lost his place. beautiful Readable, uh, Readable sort of, came out in January and he said, I was really close to leaving. And I think, also at AZ, you saw... Um, you, you, you saw... Uh, whenever, sort of, a player gets any sort of notoriety, they they're always... Uh, they they start they always back their ego and they always think that they they automatically get into the first team just because everybody knows they're talented. But when they actually challenged to fight for their place, uh, I think they're they're not really doing that. And I think that's where I think
0: something has gone wrong in the sort of mentality of the young players. So we had a question from Henry come in, um, and he he he. This is relates to what we we're just talking about. Um... So there's no guaranteed Champions League place for clubs in 1718. Uh, he asked "What's gone wrong?"
2: I think everybody's got a lot better, and I think there's. I think that. Well, if we talk about you know recently, just seeing AZ Alkmaar get beat seven-one uh, by who weren't in the best run of form at the time. Yeah, uh, that's as well, basically. Yeah. And um, I think also, I think uh, the coaching level, I think we, uh, the area diversity is sort of the safe haven for the 4-3-3. Mm. And uh, the KNVP have just made it um, so, um, easier for uh, young coaches who want from a playing background to actually start their courses. Which, which which is gonna help a lot going forward. But I think it's just uh the coaching level. Uh if if you sort of talk about if Danny Glenn's not the sort of best coach in the Netherlands and the fact that, you know, you could, if you were asked to find a replacement for him for the Dutch national team, you couldn't think of one. I think it just it it just puts the all of that in a nutshell. And also just I think the the players the players aren't of the Champions League standard, and the players that are actually of Champions League standard are far and few between. The fact that it's been such a long time since we've had uh, two teams in the group stage, and you saw Ajax get beaten by Rostov, and you saw PSV fail to beat Rostov to qualify for the Europa League, and I think that's where. It's, uh, you sort of start to think that if our Dutch teams are as good as we're seeing the Eredivisie, and um, I think yeah, I think it's uh, there's a lot that needs to change, especially you know the KNVB have, have said that you uh, need to look out for this goal with the goal in 97 generation. We're going to have we're going to have a a, a widespread analysis of what's going on in football and we're going to try to alter things but i think it starts at club level maybe club take clubs taking individualistic approaches to uh sort of recruiting players and managers and coaches and 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 analytics and i think that's where that's only when we get there that's when we'll start to see change i
3: think well i think as well um on uh, shaka's point I read a, um, an article a couple of days ago as regards to Ronald Koeman when he was manager of Ajax when they were in the Champions League in 2003 and they almost reached the semi-final. In, that ar- in the article he openly stated that um, he was playing 4-5-1 in the Champions League. Um, going back on Shaka's point with the wanting to play 4-3-3 and um, getting eliminated by Rostov and uh, having di- Ajax even having difficulty against Balceronica. Um, I think, especially Ajax Dutch teams that go in the Champions League, they need to try something different, whether it be a four-five-one, whether it be a defensive, uh, a defensive um, mindset, or just try something different in order to make a little bit of progression. Because uh, I I also think that the opponents in many many different European countries have all improved, and it's not as clear cut as what it as what it used to be with uh, always England, Spain, Italy, benevolence, France, Germany. You've got um, Rostov doing quite well and you've got uh, uh, teams from Belgium coming through all of a sudden. So uh, I think the opponents have got better, but I uh, I plead for the managers of the DAPS teams in the Champions League to try something different in future.
0: What about Philip Coccu? Because he, he adapted his style and um, played quite a defensive team in the Champions League. Oh, uh,
2: yeah, Koku he sort of, I think... I. I, I... You know, I enjoyed it last season when I think they got knocked out by Utrecht in the KnV becca and they had to play them two days later and then he switched from a, three, a 4 three, 3 to a 3-5-2 and he, and he won that game and he used that same formation against um, against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League and they got a no-no draw in, in both legs and they had a chance to win it with Locadia and that away leg. Like, and you sort of enjoyed that. But I think he tried to do it again this season. And Atletico was sort of, was sort of a different team. And his PSP were a different team. And um, you, you also felt that you just need more coaches to sort of do that. Like be able, if you if you feel you're going to go out, go out by experimenting. Because I think you saw Groningen last season... Uh, you, you, the teams that failed to sort of get past the qualifying stages, qualifying stages in the Champions League and the Europa League, that they're not experimenting and they're not trying new things. Especially when most of the teams that qualify for the Europa League and the and Champions League they have lost players in the summer, so they need to have different approaches. And I think you um you sort of need more more tactical invention in the league and because Koku when he when he sort of tactically altered against Atletico he started in the league and he used it against Utrecht. But until we sort of start, start seeing that in the league, that's when uh, I think you, you that's when you'll get in the Champions League.
0: I think um, it's good that a team such as AZ or Vitesse win the the cup, the Dutch Cup, because I mean with that becomes Europa League group stage qualification. And if the the weakest side that the Netherlands sends off is one of the the, the sub top teams and not one of the top three, naturally a good thing, because they won't get knocked out in the qualifiers. Whereas the top three are very likely to get through those qualifiers. I think that as a whole will do Dutch football good. Yeah, I think you saw a couple of years ago. I think Go Ahead Eagles made it
1: into the qualifiers and got knocked out straight away. It's stuff like that that's really hurt the coefficient. Um, I mean, I think Eva Tess got beat by from Sunday by Luxembourg um, a couple of years ago, obviously being from Scotland. Um, Aberdeen played Groningen. Um, mm. And I remember listening to the commentary for it. And the Scottish commentary was saying that Groningen basically passed the ball around a lot, but didn't actually do anything with it. And I think that's. No I come back to tactics, it's a lot of key possession, but you really need to start looking at different ways to combat teams because other teams around Europe are improving. We saw, you know, teams from Austria a few years ago, Red Bull, Salzburg, Dyaks. and um, these teams are improving. I think Dutch football at the moment is stagnating. It's, it's needing new coaches, new ideas to come through and bring
2: with them some new formations that will help us get back into Europe. And also the needs that can be, they said at the beginning of the season, they will look at the sort of playoff, the Europa League playoff, because um, very few playoff winners have actually qualified for the Europa League. And we saw Heracles this season, they lost their two best players. And although they sort of played well against Aruka, it was sort of the same thing, that they played well but got knocked out. And... Um, you think there needs to maybe they need they're talking about maybe the 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 team in fourth place gets the Europa League spot, the Europa League qualifying spot,
3: and I think there needs to be a look into that. I just wanted to go and make the point that uh, uh, Mike made that um, go ahead. were admitted to the uh, yeah preliminary rounds of the Europa League due to the fair play, and I think in the case of Cloning last season in the Europa League, they were put in a group with Olympic Marseille. Slovenly Village and Sporting Braga, that's a big ask for anyone, but it's especially a big ask for uh, Groningen. So, um, I think, um, I do hope the Dutch of Bay look at the playoffs, because, uh, like Chaka said, very few teams go through here in The class. I think they were a little bit overwhelmed to be playing. Okay, not the biggest team in Portugal, Aruka, but they were playing a European match, and I think that they maybe suffered a bit of stage fright. So, I think um, mm. I think the Caiva Bay would, would help to look at the the structure of the um, of the playoffs to ensure that um, the team representing the
0: Netherlands in Europe has the best chance of, of, of progressing. Really, mm. there are those that say oh. as well that that money is a big factor in it, especially like looking at Premier League. But um, as as you mentioned earlier, that teams like Red Bull Salzburg from Austria, they they don't have a lot of money, but they seem to make an impact on Europe. There's a uh, there's a, a Cypriot team as well in the Europa League last sixteen. I'm pretty sure I don't have as much money put, as a PSV or a final. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put, I'll
3: put here.
2: Yeah. Get last season made it to the Champions League uh, last sixteen, and they're back in the in the last sixteen of the Europa League this season. And um, it's also like if you watch uh, Zenit against AZ, the uh, the match that AZ want to go through, they battled, they fought, and I think. We've been unlucky with the teams that have gone through. That they've lost players, so they they're kind of inconsistent. Because as it they battled and they fought and they and they deserved to win against Zenit, but a few days later they got smashed five nil against Byronwood and the mm. and the terrible and in the in the first half of the the of the um, of the first leg against Lyon, they had so many chances to make to make it one 0 but they had, they didn't make it one 0 no, because you know Berkos two was on form earlier wasn't on form and then and they they had only won one or two matches in the Eredivisie since the winter break so I think it's just um, if if you sort of had a team that sort of won the Europa League and got to keep their players like uh, and uh, maybe. We could see a team progress in the Europa League maybe do we look at the Europa League as more of a competition for the Eredivisie and maybe is the is a Champions League maybe a step too far right now unless you're sort of Ajax or PSB um
0: that's sort of a debatable point um there's I I think we heard Raja Falapada from Huddersfield he was calling for more attention to the championship. Um, do you think that's fair? Is it, has it got to the point now where... it almost sounded like he was saying stop looking to the receiver players because the championship's also a pretty decent league as well. Has it got to that point where maybe we should start looking at the championship as well for the selection? Uh,
3: per- personally, I don't think so. I think, um, I think in the case of Van he's a fantastic player. I think he's got a fantastic bright future ahead of him. He made his debut against Belgium, and uh, I know obviously making your making your debut, Uh, he um, was was okay in the game. didn't didn't pull up any trees, didn't do anything in particular. I think if you start if if a country like the Netherlands is looking to the second tour of English football to pick their players from, I think um, I I think that that can't be good. And although the although the Championship is an exceptionally strong league, I think. um, I think what the Dutch national team need, in particular more than players, is a, is a really, really strong willed manager. Because under under Blint, I think they're going to fall short and until they rectify that with getting the right person in to look to the future. Because Koeman, for example, I believe if Koeman was the national team manager, he would be able to, to, to put a team together that would be able to achieve something. He would look at the, look at the personnel he has across the whole entire board so I think um, I I can understand what uh, Bale is saying especially doing so well at Huddersfield but I think first and foremost they need to look at what's happening at the top with the national manager they have in place and uh, as long as that remains uh, a strange decision to let someone with so little experience have the top job then um, I think they're going to struggle. I think you have to look
2: at the uh, the risk that There's so many young talent and they can be be, they said they said we're on the brink of what could be a golden generation. And we're looking at, uh, at them for 2023 and not just the World Cup that's coming up. And I think it, I agree with, with James about Blint. I think in a year, you've seen him continue making the same mistakes and you, some of his, his tactical decisions are confusing. Like against Belgium, he, Sort of had, um, Belkman play, of the of uh, the right, of the right back position as sort of an inverted, inverted central midfielder, while by now been dropped into right back, and and he sort of tried to create a back five that way, and it didn't work, and he sort of insists that you can only play play four three three, four, and when he does switch. Switch tactics; it, it it doesn't work, and so and I think that's where the state of coaching in um,
3: the Netherlands is right now. I think as well; it's also a sad indictment that the man that has in theory the best job in Dutch football has only one season experience in professional football. Mm. When Blind was uh, manager of Ajax in two thousand and five. Apart from that, he hasn't managed any other clubs, hasn't been put in a position where pressure has been added at club level. And um, I just, um, everybody thought that when um, the choice was there to be made between uh, Hiddink or Koeman, that everybody naturally thought that Koeman would be the one and uh, the Dutch uh, uh, club Bay chose uh, Hiddink instead and then uh, they find themselves in the position they are now.
1: Thank God. So, with Van comments, he's, he's saying to get at a championship, but Blind's notorious for not even looking at the Premier League. Um, there's players there that aren't getting caught, so maybe you think that should. Um, Van Aanholt is playing well for Crystal Palace now. Eric Peters plays week in, week out for Stoke, doesn't get caught up. Whereas Jethro Williams is just indicated at left-back. Um, I think Blind is a massive mistake, and... I can't see how he can really. He's made so many as so much enemies, but he's changed. He's tried to change too much, so he's basically dropped Van Persie out. And I don't think whatever Van Persie does at Fenerbahce will get him back into the fold. He could score goals for fun, and then he's still. I think he's quite arrogant that way. That his selection's the one that's going to go with. And um, he's got his little favourite players. I think David Classen's one of them. Um, He'll play week in, week out, regardless of his form, really. I I think the KNBB just need to look at this current World Cup qualification. If we make it, thank God. But if they don't, then I think Brent really needs to go and really need to think that
2: again. I think also they need to look at the Bundesliga because Jeffrey Howell is part of one of the best defensive units in the league at Augsburg. The main criticisms of Osberg the season have been attacking wise, and the. It, the he was
1: um he get getting called up by Van Hal but he's not been in yeah. the squad for this as
2: well. Exactly, exactly. And I think he deserves a look in. And yeah, I think, he, I think he the fact that the first half of the season Habs wasn't called up, was, I was I think. He really needs to change. He, he needs to undergo a drastic change, and um, or I think they need to they need to have someone in line to replace him.
3: It, it would be interesting to see who they would choose when when they eventually make the change. I cannot for the life of me see them making the change during the qualification um, games. I think as soon as the, the as soon as the um, the curtain falls on the on the uh, World Cup qualification and they don't make it, but I think they'll make an instant change. But the, the most important thing is who do they get? Because you would hope they would show a bit of ambition and try to attract a a Kuhlmann or someone of that ilk. But for, for the, they could also um, go along the same lines with Blin to think, oh. Um, we have our way of doing things, and we'll stick uh, we'll stick with that. So I think. Um, but you say sacked
1: him
2: right now? Uh, Instant choice is probably Frank de Boer, not it? Exactly, exactly.
4: Mm. But Frank de Boer's—he's still got a long way to develop in
2: his managerial career. He's got, uh, I think, a few more jobs to take to really develop his playing style. Because I think in Inter Milan, because he wasn't doing the greatest job there and Stefano Pioli's come, out, come in and, he, and in a short space of time he wasn't one of the most respected managers in Italy. He was sort of just as a pair of safe hands but he's completely changed um, um, what the club looks like and they're actually gunning for Champions League now. So I think, you know, Frank de Bourne needs to have sort of a look in the mirror and look at how he sort of um, sets his teams up tactically and how he sort his approach, and I think he needs to alter that. And then I think we need to he needs another job at club level before we can start truly
0: assessing him as a manager of that of national calibre. To be fair uh, to <laughs> to be fair to Frank de I think Inter Milan was a bit of a poison chalice because they've had a lot of managers in their recent history. And it did feel like a natural sort of job for him after Ajax to go to Inter Milan, but he he needs to get another job pretty quick. But I mean, he is he is like a natural choice for the, the national team. But um, I mean, what 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 does experience count for when you're Danny Blint, So I think what well, I, I think in the case of Frenchois,
3: he made a grave mistake to go into a changing room into a country where he doesn't speak the language. It's a huge ask. Because especially in a country like Italy, if you see, if Bioli now Bioli is Italian, so Bioli has, has been able to go in and communicate his ideas from day one, and the players have reacted to that. You've got to remember these these are experienced players as well, so I think uh, Frank de made a poor choice, a, a poor error in judgment in going there. I think I mean obviously it's very attractive, but uh, I think managers in general, not just Frank de I think you could also say the same about players. You've got to choose your clubs and know the situation you're going into very, 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 very well. And I think in the case of Flank de Boer, I think he made a a grave error in judgment to think that he could go into an Inter Milan experience changing room without command of the local language and expect to get um, expect to get results and expect to to, uh, to make a change. I think um, I think he was only asking for trouble in that respect. I think. Um Many of the Dutch
2: managers should, should sort of follow Koeman because I think he took a lot of bad jobs. He took the AZ job after uh, after Van Hout won the league. He took Valencia off, um sort of um, when the when the dressing room was sort of disarray and he sort of went out there and it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. He I think uh, when he left PSV they were Going into a boardroom crisis that summer, and I think when he was at Ajax, I think you know there was a power struggle between Cruyff and and Van Hal. So I think the fact that he kept showing up for jobs, kept learning, kept changing his approach, and it has sort of helped him develop to the manager he is now. And I think a lot of the young Dutch coaches should just keep going for jobs, keep keep assessing themselves so that they can improve. Like he is.
1: I think if you're looking at coaches now and the young Dutch coaches doing extraordinarily it would be Yapstam. Um he decided to take a, a job in the English Championship with Reading and look how look how well he's doing and I think, you know, if next season a few of the Premier League jobs come up, you know, Yapstam's gonna be one of the first people that gets linked with him as well. I think I think he's I think
3: he's Yapstam has surprised a lot of people. I mean, this is coming from a player who, when the, the courses were first uh, launched to become a professional uh, manager, he wasn't interested in the theory side of things, he wasn't interested full stop. But yet, something has happened to him along the line where he's gone through, jumped through all the hoops and did all the um, necessary badges and now he finds himself in a position where he could very well be uh, be a Premier League manager should Reading negotiate the playoffs. Um, well, this season, so it just goes to show how quickly things can change. As, as it, didn't he fill the course twice? Uh, as far as I'm aware, Shaka, I can only remember that he openly stated that he had no interest in the theory side. He had, he had no interest in in going to sit in a classroom and be be taught about certain things. His his makeup and his way of uh, his way of being, he he didn't fancy that one little bit. So. Uh, I remember I remember seeing an interview where he openly stated that, but obviously something has changed for him, where
2: he's decided to do everything necessary to become a professional manager. I think uh, he's because of his career and the managers that he's played under, he's sort of got this natural dressing mind, and I think he's highly respected and you know sometimes even feared in England, and he sort of used it and he sort of used it to impose his style so quickly at Reading, who also have. A, Dutch sporting director. So I think um, those th- sort of things have worked in his favor. But the, the most intriguing thing is that he's done it with a squad that that's that, that's much worse than they were the previous season. So I think I think he he sh- and he also left a good you know a good team for the under nineteens at Ajax. And I think I think you know. It, I think it should be just like a rallying call for Dutch coaches, like take a job, really
0: assess yourself and you know, develop a style. Uh back to like the the, the Dutch selection. Um who, who would your front three be right now to start the match against Bulgaria?
3: Uh, I would say uh, Bastos Bas Dost. Scoring for fun in Portugal. Um, top scorer in Portugal as far as I'm aware. I think he has to play against Bulgaria. I think uh, what kind of message you send out if a Dutch player is, is showing his worth in a in a quite decent league? Okay, it's not the best league in the world, but he's scoring regularly, and that could easily translate into a goal at national level against what could be a very well uh, could very well be a very difficult Bulgarian team to break down. So that would be my first of the front three that I would choose. And, uh, I think Doss has been very unlucky as well because,
1: you know, he did well against Sweden. He had that goal that sold out. I think people would look at him definitely if that counted and that was the winning goal. I think people would be saying now, yeah, he is. It was number nine because that didn't get allowed. There's still that. He's not really scored many goals. Very about him.
2: And which I think's a shame. I think um, it, for me personally it's hard to pick a third front three because I think that's the least of Flint's worries. Mm. I think his first choice left back isn't there. I think Bruma, Bruma hasn't had the season that he sort of projected at Wolfsburg. Um, Blint has played intermittently at centre-back and left-back. Um, Strutman's doing well but who plays with him in midfield? Uh, who's, who's sort of the how many do you I think do you put deru next to him? Classy and uh, I think you know i think the i think the midfield and the defense are such as uh, i think our bigger concerns as, and even the goalkeeping situation because you've got selison who plays who plays the champions league games or, or the copa del Rey games at, at Barca. you've got Stecklenburg and so whom have been okay at best this season so I think there's so many other concern points and I think if you were, if someone was if one of us were Dutch national team manager, it would be easy to pick the front three, but I think the rest of the team would be much more difficult.
1: I think sadly it goes back to Lind having his favourites. I think actually the midfield is quite easy when you think of his mindset. I think he's gonna play Wijnaldum and he's gonna play Carson and that's gonna be the three with stripping. Um mm. I don't think Bremer should be in there at all. Um you're looking at DeVry and even Hoot and you know Wonders at lads, so they should be partnering um, in defence possibly. Um, I mean he's gonna play films at left back, I think that was that's a given and at right back it's gonna be Carstorp or Veltman. Um, me. Yeah, I think up front, um, the question mark is over Bastos or Vincent Janssen, but I think Lynn came out in an interview um last month saying he's spoken to Janssen, and he's still going to be you know, the striker going forward and he believes in him um, and I think Memphis is picking up in France I think one player that should definitely be considered is Elia for what he's done at Feyenoord
2: yeah.
1: um, I think he basically said last month that he was considering retiring because he's not getting any options I think he's one player that's definitely stood up in the past few months and deserves his call because you know Quincy promised a Russian weeks on a winter break right now when he comes back and you know, he's got only a few weeks to get into freshness of Forbog area so you're looking at players who you want to be um for form right going into the game I think Elia is definitely one of them and even Turnstra as well and um, when he's doing a right, he deserves a place to mention.
3: Mm. I would definitely um, look to play Delon Martin Delon against Definitely. Bulgaria I think okay Middlesbrough are not doing very well in the premier in the Premier League but the role when he was at atalanta was talked about as one of the best defensive minded players in the in the, in the Syria and um, I think um, I think he'd be a very useful asset to the national team going forward so I would uh, I would include him anyhow but uh, sure. going back to what uh, Mike you said about blind saying to Janssen that you're he, still my striker going forward. This is a player who's only scored one penalty against Gillingham and one penalty against yeah. Liverpool in the League Cup. Uh, it's quite clear that his decision to go to leave, oh, I said Al-Ghamar to go to Spurs was, uh, was, uh, was not a very good one. And he may well find himself out on loan at the start of next season somewhere. I mean, I heard that he was linked to Galatasaray and he was linked to Wolfsburg. But... Um, I think therein lies a problem with the national team, where the current manager has stated to a to a striker who's obviously not scoring, "Oh, don't worry, we will we'll still go forward." If if you had a manager who was maybe more experienced, a bit more ruthless, that would look at what needs to be done short term for the long term game. I think they might have. Uh, I think they might have a different opinion about that.
2: Yeah, I think you know. You could even tell Maurizio Pochettino came out and said that you know. When Harry King get, got injured, he said, "I really wanted to develop Jansen into the role, and I didn't want to throw him in this quickly." And I think he's, he, he's sort of his confidence is sort of low, and um, you know he, he did he did it with Memphis, and you know he, he's he scored those he scored that those goals, and I think was it was in January or towards the back end of last year, towards the back end of last year against uh, Belarus. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think he he does. I agree with James. He does need to be more ruthless, and he needs to be more analytical and about who he picks. And he, I think, he needs to have a much wider scope about about how he's picking his teams. And and I think until he he begins to have a wider scope about picking his teams picking players from different leagues, I think that's when we will start to see improvement. But I think right now, going into the next group of fixtures, I think we really, before we make a judgment, I think we need to
0: see his call up, who he calls up. We had a question from Harry Willis who asks, do you think Manchester United will ever buy back Memphis? Obviously performance-related. No, definitely
1: not. Um, yeah, there. I don't think he'd even want to go back um, at the moment I think he's doing well in Lyon um, even though you have to take what he's done so far with a little pinch of salt because the teams that he's done well against aren't the strongest in France Mets, at the weekend um, at the lower end of the table I think it's you Nance know, um, is one of the teams he scored against and Dijon um, he did well against before that um, I and mean, he got openly criticising the French media for his performance against Marseille. Um, you know, this weekend, I think they're away at Bordeaux. I mean, that's a much tougher test if Memphis start scoring goals in that. Um, you know, then you could say, right, maybe he is back to form. But even if he is back to form, I think Manchester United have to, they've got an option on them. I mean, they'd have to go back to 30, 49 So paying that much for a player that didn't do very well in the past, I think would be too much of a risk for him. I think if Memphis has going to progress, he's going to go to a different league, I think. You know, like Germany or Italy or Spain, I think, in the future. I think
2: it's too soon to tell. He needs to have a full season. I think he was criticised way too soon. He said yeah. when he first played, he would need to five or six games to really start to find his rhythm because he hadn't played in so long. And uh, I think, you know, what come, we came to the sort of five and six game mark and he started to sort of find his rhythm and he started to play better. He, but he still needs to sort of learn his, team and his teammates. And, you know, I think he isn't guaranteed a starting spot. Even if he's played the last two games or he still isn't guaranteed a, spot, a starting spot. So until, I think, this season, I think you, you, for the end of the season, I think you need to watch him... Not with a a view of Manchester United buy him back. You need to watch him just to see how he improves, how he works with his teammates, and then um, I think you, you you can watch him uh, next season after he's had a full pre-season and all that. With I think with a much with a much bigger view and
1: with much bigger hopes for him. I think it's encouraging, though. I think what he's doing so far in France, and I um, think the sad thing is some of the, the media in England, um, they'll pinpoint out the bad things really And I think he is missed against Dijon. Like, it was put cool over internet. It was like this is why Manchester United sold Memphis because he missed his chance of in a few yards out, but then in the second half he inspired a comeback, and there's nothing about that. Yeah. So I think there's this is a shame because I don't think the English media will really look at what he's doing. Positively wise, he could score like right, twenty goals a season. But if he does anything wrong, that's what's going to be pinpointed, and he's always going to be called to Manchester United flop.
0: Yeah, can we I start having a little lost. appreciation for Memphis? He is a fantastic player, and for me, he's he is like the new sort of Iron Robin in the future to lead the team in those kind of matches to get them out of trouble. He he has got that that magic touch that the team, the Dutch national team, just needs right now.
2: Watching his uh, final season at PSV, the full final season at PSV, not just like YouTube or, or Vines of it, watching the full final season, you think he's that player and you believe that he will eventually grow into that player, but he's only 22 and he's got a lot lot more growing to do. And, you know, Iron Robin truly, he, he, he truly became Iron Robin sort of at the back end of his career. Sort of, mm. you know, a little bit after his, you know, when, when his prime was sort of coming to an end, when he sort of got over the injuries and everything like that. So I think to, um, you, we, we need to be patient. And I think the, the, the English media didn't um, give him any patience, and that sort of sifted into United, who, who stopped showing him that patience. And uh, I think the most important thing with Memphis, you just need to be patient.
3: I think one point as well, as regards to Dubai, you've got to remember that Van Gaal brought, brought him. Van Gaal purposely brought him, otherwise, he would have gone to Paris Saint Germain. I think Van Gaal, when he arrived at Manchester United, wanted to bring Dubai to, to, to obviously knowing what he was aware of, and obviously, Dubai following Van Gaal to Manchester United. Um, I, thought, I thought it was a very ambitious move, considering he only had one excellent in at PSV. And, uh, differences between PSV and Manchester United but um, I think he'll establish himself in France and uh, I agree with Mike, he may well go on to play in Italy or Germany or France but I think his current situation of going from Manchester United to Lyon will not be a bad thing for him. I think he definitely made the right move though. I think
1: when they signed him there was talk that, you know, PSG tried to sign him and I think if he had gone to PSG just signed Drax or We've got Di Maria. We've got Lucas. That would have been the wrong one. He might have been overshadowed again. But I think at Leon, he has the potential to be the star player. Um, you know, we've got Lacazette, who's the star man there. But if he leaves in the summer, then you know Memphis could be, you know, the man to take over that role, and then he can basically gain that confidence. I think you know the fans already love him, and I think his confidence is going on and growing and growing, and that can only be you know a good thing for him and
3: you know, going forward the Dutch national team as well. Um, just to give you an update on the Dutch cup semi-final between Sparta, Rotterdam and Vitesse,
0: Lewis Baker has now put Vitesse 2-0 up. Mm-hmm. So I think it's safe to say that Vitesse will be playing in the final. Yeah, they haven't made the trophy. True, no.
3: yeah, I, I think we um, will struggle tomorrow against Cambuur Warden.
2: I think uh, they're not in the sort of form. Uh, They're not in the form right now. And it's, you know, you heard that AZ was sort of of looking around at other managers with Van der Brom in his final season before eventually signing him to a new contract. And uh, I think Van der Brom, I think last season... At this point, last season, I thought he was a really good manager because, as it had like a, a great back end to the season after you know struggling the first half of the season, and but uh, I think this season, I think he's made some like truly weird choices, like persisting with Moran in, in sort of a, a, a shadow striker role before eventually selling him in January. Um, and you, you've also seen uh, Dabney da Santos, Joris Van Ovarin, who played well last year, not being given, not being given opportunities this season. And um, I'm personally a player, a person that does, doesn't like uh, seeing Derek Lucas in the midfield. I don't think it's his role. I think he's too slow on the ball, even though he can... Can pass the wall, and I feel that you know, attacking midfielders find it easy against him because he's not that mobile, especially when an attacking midfielder is sort of drifts into his blind spot. He's, I think, and you saw the two goals that Azad conceded against PSV, the, the two Villems goals, and the defending was terrible they they the, the attacked war against leon in the first leg but the the first two goals that in you know, the first leg were terrible were due to terrible defending and i think as it i think come to, if things don't improve i think come to the end of the season they're gonna have uh, have to have another look and you know apparently the um yeah the Dennis ha who's the coach of the youth team who they they really, the sort of moulding him for, for that um, first team coaching you know? role, and I think
0: they need they, they need to have a long look at what's happened this season. I think um, I per- go on, James. I personally think that I said I've been far too hasty
3: to offer Van den Brom a contract. I think he's been extremely lucky to get it. Um, the media this end said that that there needs to be clarity before the first of March. I think towards the end of January, they already stated that they're going to um, extend his contract. Um, if you look at his career when he was at Vitessa and when he was at Den Haag and when he was at Anderlecht, he doesn't stay at a particular club for any long length of time. And when things do start to go wrong, he does also start to panic. So um, I personally think that Arsene have been far too hasty with this decision. And um, I, I can't see him being... I said, manager, for a long, long, long time. I, th- I think, I think tomorrow they're already feeling the pressure. There was uh, just a, um, a statement come by on the Dutch media where it stated that Van der Brom is already saying, From our point of view, we must reach the final all cross considering we're playing Cameroon mm. and But um, I personally, I just
0: think I said they've been far too hasty in um, in the clarification of his contract extension. Mm. And it's now uh, two-one, by the way, um, mm. an own goal by I'm uh, by cashier. So made it 2 1 to be tested. I think with R Z, uh, I think the manager is to blame because I, I thought Randon Braun was a kind of manager who could be stable for R Z. He's a kind of manager needed to be competitive all every season for that fourth position, pushing the top three, cup competition, playing well in Europe. And he has done that on occasion. You you do notice that, that R Z have got that that new that nuisance sort of in Europe to to get far, far farther than I expected to, but um, I don't know this this season. It's it's not been the same. I think defensively, the full-backs, they've always been attacking, but they seem to be getting found out more and more um, by by teams. There's a soft soft uh, middle because uh has been injured quite a lot. That hasn't helped, and he's they're always partnering different centre backs together, whether that's Van Eyden, valtons who's not really a centre back. He plays defensive midfield. Yeah. Lucassen for me, I thought Lucassen was, uh, at the start of his career, I thought he was, he was too lightweight to be a centre-back. But he has improved physically. And I, I do think he should be given that chance now. Because next to Vlaar, if he's fit, it can be a good defence. Um, yeah. And in midfield as well, I think uh, Suntience, he's wasted as an a number 8. And as uh, Jack said about the goals against PSV, um, he's not the type of midfielder you want to break down the play. They need a an name in there. Who last season was excellent. It was a, a bit, a bit of a pit bull, really, a bit like Haps. He was sort of breaking play down in midfield, and he was bringing it forward. He was that perfect eight sort of midfield they needed. Um, plus up top, uh, Dos Santos. What's happened to him? Like he's he's been so off form this season and Baksh, who was a very good player the last couple of seasons for NSA RZ, but this season has again been a couple of goals in a couple of games then goes games and games and games without even scoring or getting an assist I think the only player really that can come away with some sort of credit is um Val Bechost. he hasn't scored in a lot of games but he he's a battle at the top and he has a place Janssen very well but they, they he's lacking that support in that 10 role behind him that Marcus and Marcus Henriksen sort of left behind um and, and I think Sunchins for example will be better in that position I think he persisted with Mourin because he offered that goal threat that Henriksen left. But they, they just didn't replace him last summer. They didn't replace Henriksen and that the, the goals have sort of dried up a little bit and the inconsistencies in defence have just sort of all added up for them. Because they should be fourth place.
2: And also, Rienstra at the base of Midfield is a very good player. He can look really good yeah. in one game. Like I said, he looked brilliant. And then... I think he can be really anonymous in his role in the next. And um, I think uh, Vanden who normally he normally starts to tweak when things don't go his way. I think at the beginning of last season, you saw him tweaking from game to game before he finally found his team with Dos Santos and Van Albury in it. And he continued with that. And I think this season, the difference is he hasn't found his team. And you know, signing Tim Crew, who's come back from injury, uh, and I think it's he hasn't been great, and the stats are very are incredibly underwhelming for him. Um, it just this season just hasn't worked. But um, the the thing is, as it have a very capable playing staff. I think. Belasani, when he's coming, is done good. I think Yannantbach. I think I think many clubs will look at him and think he's still a good player because I think he's played. He he played intermittently during the first half of the season, and I for some reason I think um, Van den Brom took him out of the team for a while, but he came back and I, I think the second half of the season. And I think he's a very good player, and he, he's had uh, when he's played, he's been very good for them. And he scored very good goals for them. And I think also Tankovic, our wide, he doesn't offer any sort of width at all. He, I think, he's always seen himself more centrally, and he sort of our wide because he enjoys cutting in. But when you need to stretch a team out, he's not, and he doesn't have perhaps overlapping or supporting him. He, he's very; it's very hard to connect play through him um on
1: az i think we've got to look at their future as well i think the 119 team is currently one of the best teams in the dutch third division and um, i think the future for the club is actually pretty bright and um, we've got a young striker he's a 16 year old um called Bauda. and um, basically there's a lot of clubs around europe i think barcelona won them they're actually trying to sign him um before he actually hits 18 and i think he's actually said that he wants to stay he said recently but um I mean, there's big, big talk around him being a wonder kid the next couple of years and maybe even can get into the, you know, the first team next year when um, he turns 17. I think right now, I think it's just an off-season for AZ. Um, John Van den Brom, if he does leave in the summer, bringing in a new coach, new set of players, a lot of youngsters coming through. And I think from next year, he will
2: be back up there in the, in the fourth spot where he deserves um, I think the thing is that, as at at boardroom level, uh, the re- reason they were really uh, thinking about looking at other managers is they they actually want to get closer to PSB and Feyenoord, and um, they they were debating whether Van der can bring them that, and they definitely have a good academy. I think uh, Windal the left back, they've got Gustio. uh, and um, a few other youngsters and uh, it's just about finding that balance between being sort of a seller club actually competing with the teams higher than them
0: okay well thanks for listening everyone make sure if you listen to us on youtube you like subscribe and share our podcast and comments as well on your thoughts about our video and the topics we discussed today we'd like to hear from you very much so if you'd like to become a regular thing again let us know give us your support uh and yeah that's it thank you for listening on soundcloud and youtube today and we'll be back again with more soon